Good evening and welcome to the Spirit and Life Bible Study. My name is Jonathan. Our reader is Cara tonight. And our topic is A Way Forward Part 6, which may not sound terribly exciting, but hopefully you'll find out that it truly is. Just riveting. Um, uh, to summarize a little bit where we've been, the basic topic that we're dealing with here is how do you get from hell to heaven? It's the most basic question. It's kind of the salvation question. How do we get from hell to heaven? In our own personal lives, if we find ourselves in a bad situation or a bad way, how do we get from there to a better place? Does Scripture tell us how to do that? And I've also been thinking about our whole culture, our whole world. Um, how do we get to a better condition, a less, a less violent or dangerous you know, place, the planet that we live on, and so on? How do we get from A to B? And uh, I'm really drawn to this thought that the Bible teaches us things about how that happens and describes them particularly in the Exodus story in the Old Testament, that that's a kind of a map for how to get uh, from, a, from someplace that's not good to someplace better. So we'll be dealing with a particular aspect of that tonight, but I'll save it for after the opening prayer. If you'd like to join me, good friends, let's take that journey together, shall we? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you are the one God of heaven and earth. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us together in your name. We're opening the pages of your word and seeking to understand, seeking to find you, your heart, your mind in these pages. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Sending a happy new year and love to all of you, of you who are out there online and getting the audio file and uh, here in the room. It's a delight to be with you, and let me summarize a little bit of what we've covered already in this series before. Just briefly, the, in the first top, the part one, was just a general survey of the idea of a way forward from hell to heaven. Then the second one uh, was uh, the idea of crying out, and that we, we're seeking the Lord, we're begging for His help, but actually the Lord is the one planting that desire in our hearts. So part of the way forward is for us to get to that point where we're fed up, which is really something that the Lord inspires in our heart. Number three was about gathering, uh, people gathering together and getting on the same page kind of thing. And if we're going to do that culturally or the different parts of ourselves internally, that's an important stage. Number four was about being under new leadership and a new law. Uh, the Lord takes over for Pharaoh. The Lord's a much better leader, kinder leader, and we find that out. We find out about Pharaoh, and we find out about the Lord as this um, unfolds, you know, as, as this moving forward unfolds. We see Pharaoh's weakness. We see God's strength and, and permanence and all that. And then in number five, I, I thought was very interesting that through the trial and affliction and uh, deprivation of the wilderness, in the analogy, uh, we actually come to a betrothal to the Lord. Someone pointed out after the last session uh, that when you're in the wilderness, you, you throw yourselves in the mercy of the Lord because you don't have anything else. You don't have sort of creature comforts. It's not like your life is handed to you on a platter. It's very difficult, and yet it's a beautiful teaching that in, that, in those dire straits, uh, the Lord approaches us and we become willing to attach our lives to the Lord. And so tonight we're following on with that. 
a most interesting point that comes out of these scriptures um, that there's also a point of difficulty when your life gets better. Like, okay, you attach to the Lord because your life is just terrible. You know, it's unlivable. So you, you develop a relationship with the Lord. But now tonight we're talking about how do you keep that relationship when things get better? You know what I mean? It can be difficult when, oh, it's not a rolling crisis. Actually, your, your situation is doing a little, little better, you know? You've got a relationship or you've got some money coming in or whatever form it might be for the individual and for the culture as a whole. I just imagine us going through this. Now, we're not in danger of being there by tomorrow afternoon as a culture, I don't think. This is looking down the pike a little bit, but this is a good time of year to do that, isn't it? The beginning of a new year to, to think about things down in the future and to think about that challenge of staying with the Lord when, uh, when things actually get more comfortable. I just haunted by a statement that I read years ago from a person who had been in a foreign jail, uh, jailed as some, you know, sort of an enemy or, or something in, in a in a foreign jail for many years and uh, every single day uh, was threatened with death, uh, thought that death was imminent uh, throughout the period of time, it was many, many years in jail, and then was so glad to finally be released and be reunited with his family and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but he said, I kind of miss the closeness to God that I felt, you know, it's biz- like I don't, I, wouldn't, I don't want to go back there. But there was something so close that's what we're talking about. You know, like, okay, you get close with the Lord when your life is in danger every day. But then when you get back and you're comfortable and you're well-fed, can you still have that close relationship with the Lord? And the Bible speaks to that as well. So let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, because this is one passage. I've just really got three passages here, uh, you know, extended passages to look at about this issue. Um, mm. let's start at, um, yeah, let's start at the very beginning of Deuteronomy chapter 6, right there. Okay. It's the fifth book of Moses in, in the left side of your Bible there. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. Now, this is Moses talking to the people before they've even entered the Holy Land, but they've completed their journey through the wilderness, and they're about to enter in, and Moses is not going to go in with them. And so he's giving them sort of a little coaching or something on the eve of their crossing into the, into the Holy Land. And he says, these are the commandments. It's very important that you do them in that land. Now, why is that? Go on. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Okay, now I'm going to start a little list here, and I think we'll start with simply uh, keep the commandments. That's a piece of advice for when you go into the land. You've been suffering in the wilderness. When you cross into the land, keep the commandments. That's one thing that's commanded. Go on. 
Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Yes, isn't that interesting that if they follow this, then they will <coughs> increase, they will multiply greatly in this land flowing with milk and honey. And then this beautiful statement. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Okay, uh, let's put uh, love... <laughs> the Lord up here. And really, as we know from the New Testament, loving the Lord is the same as the first one, keep the commandments. That's how the Lord says that those who keep my commandments, they're the ones who love me and all that. Go on. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. Yes, so I don't know how to summarize that briefly up here, but uh, this is you're supposed to have this constantly in mind, right? Talk about your children, uh, talk with your children about these things, uh, talk about these issues when you're sitting in your house, when you're walking, when you're lying down, when you're getting up in the morning, and it even goes on to say this. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Mm. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build. Uh-huh. Houses full of all good things which you did not fill hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant when you have eaten and are full. Okay, let's hit pause right there. So this is all this when, right? <coughs> when you've gone in there and all you're living in cities that you didn't build and you've got uh, vineyards that you didn't plant and wells you didn't dig, and your house is full of all these good things. And imagine how that sounds to a group that's been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, it's got to sound, wow, uh, you know, this is just going to be amazing when we go in there. Then what is verse 12? Then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Okay, I'm going to write, beware of forgetting. How's that for a summary? Beware of forgetting the Lord. Isn't that what that says in effect? Don't forget the Lord. Uh, go on. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are all around you. Now, this is the first of several warnings we will hear this evening about idolatry. You know, like another bad thing to do would be to go worshiping other gods. But don't forget the Lord. In fact, I should write that up here. Beware forgetting the Lord. Uh, don't do that. Okay. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa 
You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you and that you may go in and possess the good land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to cast out all your enemies from before you as the Lord has spoken. Maybe I'll just write, um, <coughs> do what is good and right. Okay, go on. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, mm. and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe, against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. Then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in, to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always. Yes, for our good always. Mm -hmm. That he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Yes. So a summary of keep the commandments, love the Lord, beware of forgetting the Lord, and do what is good and right. It's a great little summary, I think, of, you know, this, this, is, this is how to avoid that complacency. Then chapter 8, Moses gets into it again. Uh, let's start again. We read this, uh, I think, last time, but let's do it again. It's so great. Chapter 8. 8 in Deuteronomy. That's right. <coughs> Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. Yes. Okay. And here we're going to get, and I don't know how the wording is. What does it read in the beginning of the next verse? And you shall remember. Yeah. You know how it is in the old King James? Thou shalt remember. It's said, you know. Thou shalt remember. That, that's, that's what it says. Okay? Right. So we've already got beware, forgetting. Let's put up remember, which is kind of, you could conclude that from beware, forgetting, but just say remember. Yep. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which, which, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Yes, and I, I like that point. Um, <coughs> Remember the way the Lord led you. Maybe I'll say, remember the Lord's leading. How about that? The Lord's leading. Sorry if this is tough to see from the back of the room there. Remember the Lord's leading. You know how, look back on your life and see how the Lord led you. 
Okay? And such a powerful statement, man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. That's what keeps us alive. And then I love this statement too. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Now, I love that statement. I've been thinking about that because uh, the way Swedenborg explains the inner meaning of this scripture, the foot means our lower self. It's the outer part of us. It's the part that we're the most conscious of when, while we're in this world. And part of that process, the wilderness process, was to keep your outer self from swelling. Right? And your foot didn't swell. All the, you know, the Lord managed to keep your ego small, <laughs> keep it under control. Your, your foot, your lower self didn't, didn't swell all these years that the Lord was taking care of us. Go on. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Yeah, and here again, the language in the Old King James is, Thou shalt consider, you know, I mean, I, I know it means the same as, as you shall or you will, but it's powerful that it's framed in the same way as the Ten Commandments. Consider in your heart the way the, 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 that a parent treats a child. That's the way the Lord has treated us. You know, so consider that in your heart. I think I'll write consider up here. <coughs> Okay, go on. Uh, Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in His ways and keep to the fear commandments. Him. Yep, we've already got that. That's good. <laughs> For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills. Mm. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, mm. a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, mm. a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. Okay, now listen to the tone of this. Go on. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Okay, I'm going to write that down too. Bless the Lord, which I assume means give the Lord credit, thank the Lord, that kind of thing. Say nice things about him, right? Mm-hmm. Go on. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments. Yeah, now judgment. look, that links these two together, doesn't it? Beware of forgetting the Lord keep the commandments. And here it says, beware of forgetting the Lord in not keeping his commandments. So that links those two together, that forgetting the Lord would be stopping keeping his commandments. Go on, sorry. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments and his statutes, which I command you today. Yeah. Lest when you have eaten and are full, and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. That's right. And when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied. That's right. When your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions, and thirsty land where there was no water, 
who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. To do you good in the end, that's right, and... Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. There it is. So that's what we're not meant to Nice do. long sentence. All that isn't lest it? we do that. Lest we do that. That's uh-huh. right. What you don't want is to be, first of all, you forgot the bad place, which we tend to do. Isn't this a human tendency? You go through a bad thing and then you kind of want to ditch any remembrance of that or forget about it as quickly as possible and not think about it or learn a lesson from it, just like move on. And uh, your heart is lifted up, which is interesting in scripture, as you may have heard me say before, that having your heart lifted up is always bad. Lifting your eyes is good. Lifting your hands is good. Lifting your voice is good. But having your heart lifted up always means proud, you know, arrogant and that kind of thing, that your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. Uh, And why is that? Oh, it's because you ate and you're full and you got all this gold and silver. You know, can you feel it? I can really feel this text, you know, that you, when you're in the wilderness and you're going through all that terrible stuff, then you got to hang on to the Lord for dear life because that's all you've got. It's survival one day at a time. That's it, you know. Very dire situation, and you just the Lord is just bringing you through minute by minute, and then you come out to where life starts to get better, your spiritual life improves, and you're starting to be a more decent, employable person, or whatever it is, you know, and and life starts to click in a different way. (coughs) All, All kinds of different examples you can think of for this, but then if you forget the Lord at that point, and you just feel like, hey. I did this. I got myself through that wilderness. Mm. Got me th- Yes, it was a rough patch there, but I got myself through. The text, before they've even entered the Holy Land, it's amazing. This speech, right before they go in the door of all this glorious stuff, the Lord is saying, I'm just warning you, it's going to feel pretty darn nice in there, <laughs> you know, and you're going to be at risk of forgetting about me and realizing that this is how you got here. So don't let go of me when we go in there. Hang on to me, you know. Keep that going. And look at verse 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish, Mm. because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. Yeah, so that's the deal the Lord wants to make. And you can see, it's not too hard to see, is it, behind there, uh, the divine love saying, hey, I'm, I'll carry you through the wilderness, but don't ditch me as soon as things get good. You know, uh, We have a human tendency of that. Uh, but, but don't ditch me when, when it gets good. Stay with me because I'm actually the source of all this that's going on, says the Lord. And uh, one other extended passage, if you turn to the right, 
you get to Joshua next, and we'll go back to Joshua 23. Now, Joshua, it's so interesting to me that this kind of message is somewhat repeated. See if you agree with me when we get in here. But uh, Moses' successor was Joshua. Moses wasn't allowed to go into the Holy Land, and so Joshua took over the children of Israel, and he went into the land. And you'll notice this is Joshua chapter 23 that I want to look at. And Joshua ends at chapter 24. This is the end of... So when, the Mos, when Moses was at the end of his thing, he said, hey, don't, don't forget. Beware that you forget. Hang on, you know, keep the Lord in mind uh, because that actually is a greater degree of difficulty, as they say, you know, to hang on to the Lord when things are good is interestingly more challenging. It's sort of upside down than the way you might think of it. You might think, oh, it would be so difficult when you're suffering and so easy when you're feeling good. No, actually, we're a little bit perverse that way and we're upside down where it's easier to, to dive into the Lord's arms when we're just feeling terrible and, and don't know how to live. Uh, but when things are okay and we're comfortable, it, we, we have a tendency to forget. So let's look at what Joshua says to the people at the end of his tenure. Uh, let's pick up with the first verse there. Of 24. Joshua 23, actually. Three. Whoops. Thank you. Hold on. Now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies round about. Aha. Let me hit pause there for a second and just say that uh, when they went into the Holy Land, the place was full of enemies and they had to fight all these enemies. And Joshua was their sort of battle leader who took them into these different situations and they conquered their enemies. But now we're talking about a time when they had had rest for even from that trial that they went through in the Holy Land. They've had rest from that for a long time now. Isn't that what it said? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that Joshua was old, advanced in age. Uh-huh. And Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. Mm. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. Mm. See, I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. Yes, Joshua is very clear on the fact that it's the Lord who's winning these battles and is going to win these battles. It's the Lord who drives the enemy out. It's not our own victory by our own strength, as we just read before. Go on. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left, and lest you go among these nations, those who remain among you. You shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them. But you shall hold fast to the Lord your God, as you have done to this day. Yes, all right. Hold fast to the Lord. 
hold fast to the Lord. In the old King James, it says cleave to the Lord. Great word. Hold fast to the Lord. Okay, go on. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. Mm. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Ah, we've already got that as our number two up there here. Love the Lord. So Joshua's repeating that injunction from Moses. Or else, if indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you, and make marriages with them and go into them and they to you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes. Rather an unpleasant image. Until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Yes, we'll stop there. So know for a certainty that, that yes, the Lord will stop driving out nations for you uh, there'll be snares and traps. Uh, there'll be scourges on your sides, thorns in your eyes. And uh, there's such wonderful correspondential language because the thorn has to do with false teachings, bad teachings, um, and your eyes being your understanding. You know, you, you'll have the wrong ideas in your mind and so on. And you notice that there was a prohibition in there against uh, intermarriage with the, with the Canaanites. And the idea there spiritually is, hey, don't fall in love with those other teachings. It's the same as the idolatry thing. You know what I mean? Uh, don't follow those idols or other gods. Um, you've got to love the Lord. That's what you need to do. Hold fast to the Lord uh, because that's, what nece that's what's necessary when you're, when you're in there. Uh, so again, uh, Joshua at the end of his life is again... And I like that opening context that they have rest. You know, there's no more warfare. Like the intensity has gone down even again, another level. And now you're at risk of becoming complacent and feeling like you did everything or you don't really need the Lord. And it reminds me of a passage. I didn't look up passages. It just came to me during Bible study. <laughs> but but uh, you're familiar, good friends, I'm sure, with those New Testament miracles uh, it happens a number of times where the Lord, I can think of one where I think there are 10 lepers that come up to the Lord and he heals them and, and then they all just run off, you know, and then one of them comes back and bows down before the Lord. And he said, where are the other nine? <laughs> you know? But isn't that a great example of what we're talking about? You've got this huge problem. You've got this leprosy. The Lord solves it for you. And our human nature is just a bolt, you know, and not even say thank you, you know, it's like, pew, just, just head on with your life. But one turns back, and I, if my memory serves the Lord, he takes the Lord by the, the, the feet, he worships him, I think that's the language that's in there, uh, you know, and is so thankful to the Lord. That's the attitude we should have, not the nine who just get healed and take off, you know. <laughs> But remember the Lord, because it's a better 
It's a better thing. So do you have that experience, friends? Uh, it's weird. When I look back in my life, uh, it's a while ago now, but sometimes some, some really bad mistakes I've made in my life were not when I was feeling terrible, but when I felt elated, like there was a danger in just feeling kind of bulletproof and great or so, you know, I, I was likely to misstep because I felt so good. Whereas if I'm depressed or something, I'm not as likely to, to miss. Then I just go through my neurotic, miserable thing or whatever. But I was actually in graver danger sometimes when I felt happy and, and elated. Uh, uh, so I was fascinated by this, that as much as all these other things are challenges, I think if we're moving forward individually, I've been talking a lot about the individual picture tonight, but if we're moving forward from a situation of hell into a situation of heaven, we're told that there's going to be a very difficult period in between there, likened to the wilderness, where we're feeling deprivation and affliction. We don't have the things that we loved, and it's terrible, and we're hungry and thirsty all the time. And what did the scriptures say? That we're being tested to see what's in our heart and, and all that kind of thing. It's a time of temptation and difficulty and trial. Uh, and yet, Scripture is also saying that there's another temptation. There's another difficulty that comes when you're feeling good. That's, you know, that's sort of graduate level or something. You know, can you stay attached to the Lord? So how do we stay attached to the Lord even as our life improves? Because we have a tendency in that situation that both Moses and Joshua warned the people about to kind of let our religious life slide a little bit and just enjoy ourselves because things are better. You know, think like the problem is solved. Our life is making a little more sense. We got, got out of that rut and everything. And, um, but here's what we need to do. Keep those commandments. So keep following the commandments. You know, commandments are not just wilderness commandments. They're Holy Land commandments. They're heaven commandments. You know, the angels are still following those. Need to keep the commandments. I love that command. Just love the Lord. And that's the same thing, as I mentioned earlier, as keeping the commandments. This love, the, don't abandon the Lord. And it puts it in that negative way. And the third one, beware of forgetting the Lord. Really try to be wary of it. I was interested in that emphasis in the passages on teaching them to your children and talking about these things all the time. Just keep this in mind. Keep it alive. It's not just a theoretical thing of, oh, I'm so glad the Lord rescued me. I can't really remember how bad it was, but I'm sure it was great when he got me out of that situation. And no, you're supposed to remember because that keeps your spiritual life going now. Then it says, do what is good and right. That's no small thing either. You know, if we slip off our behavior because we feel like, well, I'm doing okay. You know, the warning is spiritually we'll, we'll slide. Um, remember the Lord's leading. That's a great one too. I love a passage that Swedenborg says uh, that so much of our life is like wandering in, the, in a forest, a dark forest, and we don't know where we are and we don't know anything. And then in time you can come up to a mountain <coughs> where you can see everything. You can see far and wide, and you can even see your own wandering at the base of the mountain. You can see where you were wrong and where the Lord sort of guided you and took you this way. And, and uh, I like that idea of being lifted up so you can 
see it all and you can see your own folly. So remember the Lord's leading. That's a good one. And then I only wrote the word consider there, but obviously it's about considering what the Lord has done for us and what he is doing for us to reflect on that, to bless the Lord. Uh, generally, blessing means to say nice things about or whatever. Uh, and there's a lot in Scripture about blessing the Lord, just saying thank you to the Lord and, and acknowledging the beautiful things that he's done. And hold fast to the Lord, just cling or cleave to the Lord. Uh, that seems like great advice to help us through this. And isn't it a nice thought? It's a glorious thought to me in a way to contemplate a situation in the distant future, hopefully it's not too far away, but in which, let's say, the whole planet, this idea that I talked about in previous uh, sessions here about uh, the world turning more to love, there being a greater sense of the presence of the Lord, uh, the spirit of the Lord, and understanding and knowledge of the Lord. Knowledge, I've been thinking a lot about this, knowledge of how to love our neighbor, how to wisely love, you know, oh, that's a difficult one. It, uh, you can have love in your heart, but figuring out what's really effective for other people, what's effective love for others and, and all that, and picturing a culture that where we come into that more and more and where we're just not um, dealing with the madness in the same way, the crime and all the problems that go on in society, uh, where we've overcome that, we're wise, I remember the Lord saying uh, that, that, that my children are wise to do evil, but they have no idea how to do good. Kind of thing. We'll actually get good at doing good and stop doing evil and all that. So there's this glorious picture that's foretold. It's interesting to think about that there may be times as that unfolds where it gets so good that we'll be tempted to just leave our religious program, for lack of a better word, you know, to, to leave our, our code or our practice behind because it's getting so good, not there right now, uh, but getting so good that we feel like we can kind of coast. We don't have to step on the gas here because we got through that really rough bit and now a lot of that evil and madness is pushed to the periphery and so on. Uh, and there's more of a loving world. Uh, but Moses said it. Joshua said it. Both of them are images of, of the Lord, uh, his leading to us to say, even before we face that situation, to say, now, brace yourselves, because life is about to get better. I have bad news for you. You're going to be comfortable and well-fed. I'm sorry. Uh, it's going to be tough, I know. You're going to have a nice place to live. There's going to be plenty of food. There'll be fresh water, you know. So just needed to warn you before we go into that situation so you know how to act appropriately. <laughs> so, you know, uh, Moses and Joshua are giving that kind of warning on the Lord's behalf that this is what we need to do. We need to teach these things to our children. We need to remember and beware of forgetting. So... The summary of all that for this evening is that once our spirituality starts improving our life, then the challenge becomes to stay close to the Lord even when things are good. Thank you, good friends. Let's close with a prayer.
our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You are the one God of heaven and earth. We thank you, Lord, because you are the God of the difficult parts of our lives, and you are also the God of the good parts. Help us, Lord, not to forget you when things are good, but to keep turning to you, to keep that relationship going, to keep following your commandments, not to forget you and to leave your commandments behind because they are our life. That's how we got to where we are. Thank you, Lord, for these messages of how to move forward. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's keep on repenting, friends, so that we can keep with the Lord even when it's good.